Hi, everybody, and welcome to Healthy Living with Chef AJ. I'm Chef AJ, the author of Unprocessed and the creator of the Ultimate Weight Loss Program. If you'd like to find out more about my work, please go to www.eatunprocessed.com. I'm very honored to have a special guest today whose work I have admired for such a long time, Dr. Nancy Appleton. She is a Ph.D. in nutritionist. She's the author of seven books, three of them about sugar and sugar addiction, and a DVD called Sweet Suicide, which I absolutely loved. One of her books, Suicide by Sugar, is one of my all-time favorite books that I recommend to all of my clients. Just the title alone is enough to tell you how absolutely horrible sugar is. Please welcome Dr. Nancy Appleton. Thank you so much for being here. I'm glad to be here, finally. <laughs> yeah, we had, a, we had a few scheduling problems. Nancy, you're, we, we talk about this to many of the guests on the show, that how important a title is to a book. And even if I didn't know your work, because I had your previous book, Lick the Sugar Habit, Suicide by Sugar, I mean, that pretty much says it all. Well, uh, Lick the Sugar Habit, and of course I say Lick the Sugar Habit, or Suicide by Sugar. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Lick the Sugar Habit was written <clears throat> 40 years ago, if you can believe it. Wow, that's incredible. Still... How did you know? I mean, you know, now we have some proof that sugar is as addictive as cocaine and heroin. We have the movie Fed Up, and, we, you know, we have works that's showing that the brain scans and MRIs that it's as addictive or more addictive than cocaine and heroin. But how did you know this 40 years ago? How did you get interested in this field? Well, I, uh, there's an organization called the Price Pottinger Organization, and it's an organization for uh, healthy diets. It's a, a two men, Price and Pottinger, one was a dentist, one was a doctor, traveled the world in the 30s and found civilizations, went up to Alaska, into Switzerland, into all over the world, finding civilizations that had no de- tooth decay, had no disease until white man's food came in. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alaska was, I think it was the pipeline, the oil pipeline that, that uh, brought in uh, uh, all the workers from Cal- uh, from California and the rest of the states, and just changed their diet and changed their health, and everything's changed since then. Well, I read this, and I went to a lecture of a man by the name of Dr. Bruce Pacetti with the Price Pottinger here in San Diego. I lived in Los Angeles at the time. I live in San Diego now. Mm-hmm. And I went to this lecture, and it was on sugar and allergies and I knew I still I I thought I was pretty much off of sugar but I knew I had a lot of allergies and this lecture changed my life Mm. Uh, I I knew that he understood the degenerative disease process Uh, I I was just mind boggled by the whole thing so I came home and went back to UCLA where I got a BS and which was it was about worth that I have to tell you oh that's a <laughs> that's a big mistake, but anyway, uh, <laughs> I I, uh, uh, I went back to UCLA and tried to find information on allergies, on sugar, and of course, in the here here I've got one of the best medical libraries in the world at UCLA, and huh? they had very very little, so I started searching and uh, came up with this, and I'll tell you, I've gotten booed out of more lectures in the last forty years. <laughs> Uh, doctors have walked out. Actually, I've had a nurse walk out and pick up my book and take it. And I should have said, "Stop! That book costs, you know, eight dollars. <laughs> Don't do that." But I've had fascinating things. In fact, I got up at a lecture once in Israel, where I was speaking at another one, and said, "You know, you shouldn't feed your your kids sugar water until the mother's milk comes in." And some man got up and said, "What are you talking about?" I couldn't believe it, and I was embarrassed to death. But luckily, some other woman came up and said, we know what this woman's talking about. And again, this is 35 years ago. Uh, I know what this woman's talking about. We never give sugar water to um, newborn, uh, to, to be then to new and to mothers until the milk comes in. That's ridiculous. So anyway, you know, as I go, I've been fighting the whole time, but I've pretty much stopped fighting. Yeah. I don't have to fight anymore. Well, you don't have to fight because you're right, but, you know, it's incredible that how how this is even possible that the processed food industry is so powerful that they're allowed to put sugar in 
everything starting with baby formula all the way to geriatric formula, something like over 80% of products on supermarket shelves have sugar. I mean, it seems like, why is this okay? <laughs> well, it's cheap. Yep. Uh, it's it's uh, subsidized. You know that the government still subsidizes sugar, mm. so that it, it, the price of the sugar is low. I mm-hmm. think on sale you can still get three pounds for a buck or a buck twenty-five, and uh, you know there are a lot of reasons. And the lobbyists are just crazy. They they have more power than senators yeah. or anybody yeah. else, and it, it's a tragedy, just a tragedy. And we try to get things passed, like you know putting caps on how how big a bottle you can have or how much sugar can go in a bottle and how much you can serve and this and that. We get very little done, I have to say. Wow. So. You know, and it's amazing to me. I, when I, I reread parts. I read your book when it first came out, and then I, I opened it again. You have, I believe, 149 diseases that are linked to the consumption of sugar. You're right. But That's maybe not- before, before we um, talk about those, we should say, when I say sugar, what what do you mean, Nancy? I right. Mean, what do you mean, is Nancy? That, <laughs> is that corn syrup? Is that what is it? Well, uh, I will say that in my book, uh, Suicide by Sugar, I do have something like twenty here. But let me roll off a few. Thanks. All of these upset the body chemistry in the same way that that S U G A R does. Mm-hmm. Okay, agave syrup. It's probably the worst. Yes. Or or nectar. Mm-hmm. Barley malt, beet sugar, brown sugar, cane sugar, cane syrup, confectioner's sugar, crystalline fructose, date sugar, evaporated sugar cane, fruit juice concentrate, galactose, glucose, granulated sugar, high fructose corn syrup, honey, invert sugar, lactose, liquid cane sugar or syrup, maple syrup, molasses, maltose, powdered sugar, raw sugar, rice syrup, Sugar cane syrup, table sugar, turbinado sugar, unrefined sugar, and white sugar. All those mean sugar, period. Right. And, and, you know, they have a new one now that wasn't on your list, but these people, the paleo people, well, coconut sugar, it's okay because it's made from coconut. Yeah, well, beets. What's wrong with beets? Well, nothing's wrong with beets when you eat the beets. (laughs) That's right. There's nothing wrong with the coconut when you eat the coconut. Exactly. You know, they have been making... Uh, rice, rice syrup. That's mm-hmm. another one. What's wrong with rice? Nothing. Nothing. But they can they can refine it. Many many different carbohydrates. Sure. They haven't even come to the end. And then they try to make it sound healthy. It's oh. not. Once it's you just split, a scam. It's it's such a scam. You know, it's funny because I shop at Costco a lot because they have so many great organic fruits and vegetables. And they do. And, you know, often they'll have a blender demonstration to buy one of the blenders. And so they'll be making what's pretty much a healthy smoothie. They'll be putting in fruits and vegetables, and they'll say, oh, there's no sugar in here. And then they'll pour the agave in, thinking, like, it's healthy. And like you said, agave is over 90% fructose. It's higher in fructose than even corn syrup. It's metabolized in the liver. And like you say, it's probably worse than sugar. But they've got people believing that it's healthy, and they don't even acknowledge that these things are sugar. Because unless it's the white powdery stuff, people don't even acknowledge that those things on your list are sugar. That's right. That's right. Mm. And agave nectar, just as you said, is 90% uh, fructose. Right. And, and, and you it's, know, the fruct- it's the fructose molecule right. that's the killer. In, and, and you see table sugar or regular sugar is made up of fructose and glucose. Sure. Fif- about 50-50. Yep. But now agave nectar can go 90 fructose. Right, and right. And you know, killer. sugar by any other name is still a poison. That's right. That's right. I was a sugar addict. You don't know me well, and I'm happy to send you my book if you like, but I was a, a true sugar addict until the age of 43. And I remember going to the doctor and them saying, oh, no, sugar's not addictive. In the meantime, you know, they have a, you know, a, a can of soda on their desk. And, you know, I, and when I re- reread the, the 149 things, and I think about all the, like, diseases that, or symptoms that I had, I, I couldn't believe it because back then I didn't want to know this. And, like, now I'm, I'm very healthy. I haven't had sugar since July 6, 2003 in any of its insidious forms. But, I mean, even things that I had that are considered legitimate by the medical community, like asthma. You know, which which I mean, I still kind of have, but I mean, it's amazing how sugar either directly 
caused it or exacerbated all these, you know, quote, true medical conditions. And the minute I got off sugar, it was like a miracle, like everything got better. Allergies, things that you don't even think of, um, you know, you know, as being related to sugar, you know, things like ADHD, of course, and tooth decay, but all these other things that you had that people just aren't even aware of. How did you do the research for this? That's incredible to me. Yeah, well, it was hard, but and I do have 104, actually on my website, nancyappleton.com, I have about 45 now, about five more since I've written Suicide by Sugar, mm-hmm. of reasons why not to eat sugar. because And they're all from medical journal articles. Sure. They're yeah. out there. They're, I could even find on Lick the Sugar Habit, my 40-year-old book. I'm looking at it right now, and at the end wow. I've got page after page Everything is well, well documented, yeah. and it's there, but the average person or the average doctor or the average scientist or researcher is not looking at those or didn't, but hopefully today they are. Maybe maybe some of them are addicted to sugar just as well. You know, I mean, it's, it's crazy how this even started. Like, I'm sure you're familiar with William Duffy's book, uh, Sugar Oh, Boots, yeah. Right? You know, and so he was, you know, even even a little bit before you. And my understanding is that when it's when sugar, when we started eating sugar, it was sort of like a condiment, like the way we would use, say, turmeric or saffron, that people would maybe sprinkle a tiny, tiny bit on a recipe, but not put two cups in a recipe. Is that pretty much correct? That it started out more as a spice and then ended up being a primary ingredient? Yes, I think it did. Uh, but as well as even when... Dufty was writing his book. Um, it it was pretty addictive by then. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's he's not he's about still about fifteen years before me, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, his book is still on the market. He doesn't you know understand the the medical reasons why, but mm-hmm. boy does he pin a lot of things that are wonderful. I I highly recommend that book too. Absolutely. Well, you know it, what's interesting is. You know, and talking to all of you experts that I have now in this field, you know, you mentioned there's nothing wrong with eating beets. There's nothing wrong with eating rice. These are uh, complex carbohydrates that we've eaten throughout human history that are healthy. But it's when we refine them into the liquids and the powders that that's the problem. So how does, do you know anything scientifically, the why of that? Because it's the same thing with alcohol. If you ate whole barley, that would be fine, but you, you refine it into grain alcohol, you get the problem. And it's, so something really must happen in the refining. It does. It, it removes the sugar from the complex carbohydrate. And mm-hmm. I don't ask me how, mm-hmm. I don't know how they do it, but they can literally do it to any carbo. Mm. So we probably will be seeing other things that are doing that, too. Who knows? I can't well, pe- answer that. And people say, oh, but fruit has sugar. Well, it's way different when you're eating it in its whole food form than if you're if you're extracting it from the fiber and all the vitamins and the minerals and all, all those kind of things. It's way different to the body. Well, let me tell you another thing. Sugar suppresses the immune system. Yep. Now, rice by itself does not do that. Mm-hmm. Rice syrup does. Mm-hmm. Coconut by itself does not suppress the immune system. Does sugar by itself? I can't answer that because you would have to eat so much cane mm-hmm. to get a couple teaspoons of sugar. Right. Nobody do that. That's so right. I read that start. it took about three feet of a sugar cane plant to make one teaspoon of sugar. Yeah. How, what did you say again? The Dr. Hans Deal told me that it takes about three feet of a sugar cane plant to make one oh. spoon of sugar. And nobody could eat a three, I mean, I couldn't eat a three, I can't even eat a one-inch piece of sugar cane. You'd be chewing, like, all day. That's right. So I tell people, go out and chew on the sugar cane. Yeah. It'll, do you, it'll do your tooth teeth probably good because <laughs> you clean them all. Yeah, that's right. I, that three feet, that's interesting. For some reason, either I've forgotten that or never knew. <laughs> So so did you personally ever have a problem with sugar addiction? Oh, did I? Uh, um, I was addicted. Mm-hmm. We had, in California, we had something called the Helmsman, H-E-L-M-S. It was a bakery truck. Mm-hmm. And a sure, in, in Culver City, right? The Jazz Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's where their um, mm-hmm. manufacturing company was. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it would drive all over the L.A. area and deliver bakery goods. 
they had drawer after drawer of donuts and brownies and cookies and oh the best stuff in the whole world <laughs> well i grew up in la and the bakery truck the helms truck used to come to our back door and i wouldn't and you could order whatever you wanted and mom paid the bill at the end of the month if she wasn't there we took what we wanted well i would then knowing she's home i would meet the truck down the street before it came to our house and order what I wanted, and then wow. Mother would order what she wanted. Yeah. And she didn't care that much. So there I was, in addicted from the time I was very young. Mm. I craved it. Sure. I I had it three times a day at least. Mm-hmm. I, I it was just amazing. And of course, I didn't know what was wrong. And I I went to UCLA, and I was a foods and nutrition major at UCLA, and I never learned about this. Yeah. And of Isn't course, I've been tough? addicted for ten years by yeah. then. Yeah. Did it did it affect your health or your weight in any way? Oh God, did it affect my health? I had boils, canker sores, yeast infections, hmm. pneumonia too many times. I had arthritis. By the time I was forty, I finally heard the lecture through the Price Plunger when I was forty, mm-hmm. and changed my oh, before a little before that. But anyway, I had uh, crippling arthritis. I was a national tennis champion, junior cha- tennis champion, and you learn how to bang on the ball and pick it up. Well, mm-hmm. I couldn't bend my knees, so that mm-hmm. I had to learn how to pick up a ball next to my foot a different way. You know, you you learn how to modify your life mm-hmm. so that you can survive when you've got arthritis, when you've got all these different things. So yeast infections coming out of my ears. Nobody told me to take acidophilus. They didn't know that then, giving me more drugs for that. Oh, I was a mess. And so, as you said, you don't realize the allergies that go away, mm-hmm. the, the aches and pains that go away, and the diagnostic diseases that go away, all three of those, uh, when you remove the sugar, when you have been addicted to it. Sure, sure. Do do you think that everybody's addicted to sugar, or do you think that the poison is in the dose? So, in other words, do you think there are some people out there that somehow are immune to the addictive properties in sugar that maybe can have a teaspoon or two a day in their tea, but that for but most people fall under this 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 trap of how addictive it is. I know there are some people that aren't addicted. Wow. My, sister's a, my sister and I grew up in the same household. Huh? Even right today, she never eats sugar. It doesn't interest her at all. She doesn't have coke, cokes or cookies or pies or or anything, jam. I, it, you know, she's got other, and she's healthy. Uh, That's incredible. I know. How, uh, yes. I wonder if there's like a test to see, like, you know, that, that we could get when we're little just to see if we have this predisposition and then we know we should avoid it. You know, sort of like they say there's a gene for alcoholism. Yeah. I wonder if there's a gene for sugar addiction that, that if we know we have it, well, we, maybe we're best to avoid it. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write that down, and if I find the answer, I'm going to call you back <laughs> thank and tell you. Well, thank, thank you but, so you much. Know, there's a, they're finding genes for all sorts of things, right? right. Because I mean, then then if we knew, at least we we you know we'd have a like a, a shot because it, it seems that this is such a, a this is an addiction. Like for instance, you know, we know that no one needs to drink alcohol or smoke cigarettes, but most people that do these behaviors aren't doing them at the age of two. However, there was a thing on the internet where they had this infant boy in, in I think Indonesia smoking cigarettes when he was like two years old. But for the most part, these are things that we we don't do until we're adults. But but with sugar, it starts the minute they're born, especially if That's the mother right. can't breastfeed, because it's impossible to get a baby formula that doesn't have, you know, corn syrup as pretty much the main ingredient. And then, I, you know, I see parents, I bring up Costco because I shop there a lot for my fruits and vegetables, but they have this deal for, I think, a dollar fifty, where you get a hot dog and a soda with re- re- free refills, and I see the parents buying the Coca-Cola, oh. putting it in the sippy cup for the two-year-old child, oh. and then filling their own. This kid is as fat as they are wide and it's like even if they weren't addicted to sugar they're creating it because they're, they're giving their kids such large doses at such young ages 
I know. It's tragic. It's very sad. Absolutely tragic. Especially because, you know, my next question is how do you get off it? Because, like, I feel very, I mean, I'm thankful that I'm not an addict anymore because I know how horrible it is to be a food addict in general and a sugar addict in particular. But I remember that for me it took about three weeks and and then it was done. But, But so many people, Nancy, don't even try to get off because they experience headaches or withdrawal symptoms or discomfort. And I tell them, well, that should show you what a poison it is that you feel so terrible. You know, I eat vegetables every day, but when I go to another country and don't eat vegetables for eight days, I I don't freak out. You know what I'm saying? Because vegetables aren't addictive. But how do we, how, are there steps to get people off of sugar? Okay, well, first of all, hopefully mothers will not put them on sugar to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have two grandsons. They're 18 now, mm-hmm. and they're just going off to college. They have had no sugar or very little I'm that's sure they did yeah. at a birthday party here or there. Yeah. Not at their house. They didn't have at mm-hmm. a birthday party at home, but at other places. But anyway, one has had antibiotics once in his 18 years. And is it the same one? I've forgotten. One of them has one, one decay, one tooth decay. That's mm-hmm. it. They have wow. rarely, they're rarely sick. They've been on, you know, no antibiotics. They get sniffles, they whine, they complain for two days, and their immune system kicks in, and they get well. Yeah. And it's sure. a tragedy. So that that would be the first thing I'd say is, you know, mothers, if you're, in fact, let's go back before mothers. If you're planning to get pregnant, I don't know who your audience is, but for six months, read my book and keep your body in homeostasis. Mm-hmm. That's the wonderful balance our body should be in where there's not too much glucose, there's not too much cholesterol, there's not too much calcium. Everything is in a full balance that we need to keep. And when we eat vegetables and protein and the correct uh, dosage of fat, uh, that's what we're going to get. And when you do that for six months, your body's going to give that baby both bodies, so the male and female both have to do this, a much better start in life. They will have less allergies. They will have less medical problems. So six months before you plan to get pregnant, mm-hmm. start working on it. That's what okay. I have to say. Absolutely. Then, yeah, okay, so we've, we're, we're there. Now, once the baby's born, um, it, 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 there are lots of different wonderful substitutes you have to work at this, and I'm sorry, I'm not an authority at this, maybe. Chef uh, AJ, you are, but there are uh, milks that mothers can buy mm-hmm. that have no sugar in them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with any of these? Well, well, I, you know, I was born allergic to dairy, so I drink like things like almond milk, I drink oat milk, I drink rice milk, and I actually make them myself very easily just by using water and either oats or water and rice or water and almonds. So that's what I drink because I, I, I am allergic to dairy. Yeah, well, so am I. But oh, I, interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I, haven't, I haven't had dairy, wheat, or sugar in 25 years. Good for you. Yeah, that's funny because those are those are the three. <laughs> you you experts all seem to be on the same page with those three things: wheat, yeah. dairy, and sugar. So this is right. this is you know enough people are saying it that you you know you kind of think that well maybe there's something here to these things you know their addictive properties. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I have to uh, tell they you, are. It, it's so funny because you know you know when I think back because you know when you're an addict you're not really thinking about your behavior so much but I think back to you know having to go to the dentist very early and having all my teeth drilled at like four years old. I mean, what four year old has cavities? Well, a sugar addict does apparently, and these are you know your baby teeth. You know now my teeth are perfect, and I still go to the dentist about you know twice a year for my cleaning. And my dentist recently switched offices that now he's sharing with another dentist. And on the other dentist side of the office, the reception area, there was this big glass bowl, and it said on it, help yourself. And it not only was candy, but it was apples. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with this picture? A dentist, first of all, giving his patients sugar, but then giving them caramels, which if you have bridge work or if you have anything like that, and I'm thinking, this this is this, this is crazy. You know, that would be like going to your pulmonary doctor or my asthma doctor and him giving out cigarettes, you know? 
That's so, right. Well, it keeps them coming back for more appointments. Number one. Exactly. But, I, I think that is. I think that's so funny. And you know, you know, the school. The, what do you think about the? Well, I don't want to ask you what you think about the processed food industry. I'm sure you think the same thing as me. But just the fact that this these poisons are served, you know, in hospitals, in schools, in prisons. The, it seems like the people that could benefit the most in nursing homes from the, the best nutrition have the worst nutrition. And because sugar is subsidized and it's so cheap, it's basically people are, that's all people are eating is sugar, wheat, and dairy pretty much. In so many different things. You know, I've gone to hospitals before and said, why are you giving these people a uh, tea with with two sugar bags on the side. Why are you giving them frozen uh, ice cream and things like that? Well, you know, they've just had an operation. They feel better. I said, you know what's in those? And they said, this is doctor approved. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, but doctors don't even study nutrition in medical school. Both of my brothers are physicians, and in four years of medical school, they had less than an hour of nutritional training. There you go. There you go. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, even, uh-huh. even the IV, when you get an IV, an intravenous fluid, isn't that mostly sugar? I mean, now, now I'm th- and not that I, I plan to go to the hospital, but now I'm thinking, as a sugar addict, boy, maybe I shouldn't, uh, can they give you an IV without the sugar? <laughs> Let me talk about that for a minute. Okay. Yes, they can. They do for diabetics. Interesting. And, you can, and if you have to have an operation, I uh, hope the heck you don't, but for whatever reason, if you do, you say to them, I would like, just water, and I want the minerals. Mm-hmm. I want the prote- uh, protein. But they haven't figured out how to give carbohydrates, mm-hmm. and that's why they give sugar. And you can most people, you know, could you lose a few pounds, sure. or more than a few pounds, or not be hurt by two or three days of losing, even if they're normal weight. Sure. But tell them that you would like the diabetic uh, drip. That you yeah. do not want the regular drip. Yeah. And I, let I, me I, say another thing too. That when you're sick, whether it be an operation or, you know, a, a bad flu or a pneumonia or whatever, don't eat sugar because your immune system is supposed to be working on your sickness. Mm-hmm. It has to work harder. The little phagocytes, mm-hmm. the little, all the white blood cells are trying to get rid of this bacteria, viral, fungal infection, whatever it is. And here you're giving it sugar. And the white blood cells have to work on the sugar. Mm-hmm. So be as strict as you can. And by the way, fruit juice, you know, is the same as uh, a, a sure. eight ounce can of Coca Cola has the same exact same sugar as eight ounces of apple, orange, or grape juice. Right. So eat your fruit whole. Yes. In fa- fact, while you're sick, maybe it's better if you have as little fruit as you can have for that that week or so and have vegetables and protein and uh, uh, uh you know your 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 oatmeal and things like that just forget the anything with sugar in it because it, it can upset you mm, good 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 advice good and i agree eat your fruit whole eat eat, your, eat all your food whole you know eat your grains whole don't eat flour i think at, i think we're meant to eat our food whole rather than processed I think that's the best way to eat to to eat our food. Are you familiar with the work of I believe his name is Dr. Serge Ahmed with the rats and how they prefer you know sugar over cocaine? That that study that was done. Oh yeah, I do. That, that to me is is just so fascinating because you know in nature rats really don't get either cocaine or sugar. And so you know when I heard that experiment many years ago, I was just blown away that I believe it was ninety four percent of the rats would choose one white powder over the other. They would you know, choose sugar over cocaine, and that just blew my mind. Well, they did a couple things. On, or I'm not sure whether it was exactly that experiment, but on rats, this is what has been done. And they gave, they addicted the rats to cocaine mm. so that the rat was literally addicted. When they gave it to him, he liked it very much. Then they gave the rat the choice between cocaine and sugar, the addicted rats, mm-hmm. and they picked the sugar. <laughs> Even though they were addicted to the cocaine. That is something. That's why a lot of times, you know, when you see in AA meetings, they're getting off alcohol and there's always powdered donuts there, you know. <laughs> oh, I know. 
they, they just they, they switch their one they switch their addiction to one refined carbohydrate, you know, to, to to another. When you were doing the research for suicide by sugar and came up with those almost 150, um, you know, diseases that are linked to sugar, were there any that just you know we know about tooth decay, everybody's heard that, but were there any that just really surprised you? Well, I'm looking right now. The first one, of course, is sugar can suppress the immune system. We know that. Uh, okay, how about this? Sugar eaten during pregnancy and lactation can influence the muscle force production in offsprings. That can affect any individual's ability to exercise. Wow. I mean, they, they've done incredible amounts uh, of research on this, and each one of these is documented by a medical, a double-blind placebo study, and it's all, every one of these you can look up on PubMed or in, in and find the journal and have it. Sugar can increase cholesterol. Oh, yeah, can it? Boy. Uh, sugar can interfere with the absorption of protein. Sugar can cause food allergies. It certainly can. Yeah. Uh, sugar, finally... People are realizing it can contribute to diabetes. For so long, they ignored that, but now finally they are. Uh, sugar can cause toxemia during pregnancy. It can cause cardiovascular de- disease. Of course it can. Uh, sugar can impair the structure of the DNA going right back to the basics. It literally can you know, there's something called epigenetics today. Are you familiar with yes, that? Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, what they're saying is that you have a genetic blueprint, but what you eat, what you think, what you feel, what you say, what you do, your environment can change the DNA. And that's, you know, they always thought you've got DNA, and that's what it is. That's epigen above genetics. Mm-hmm. So watch out what you eat, say, think, do, right. and, are, and, and are exposed to. Right. You, you know, I, I think people take this, the sugar addiction, you know, they take it very lightly. They don't, like you said, 40 years ago, people were walking out on your lectures. At least now we have not only, well, we've always had the science behind it, but at least there are some, you know, medical doctors now that are giving credence to this. Do you think that it's just that the parents are just so addicted to it themselves that they just don't want this information or that it's just so hard to quit that people are like, well, you know, what can I do? It's in everything. You go to the hardware store and there's candy. You go to the pet store. I mean, you can't, you can't get away. It's like, you know, it's funny because if you're, if you're an alcoholic and you go through rehab and you successfully stop drinking alcohol, there are still places you can go where there's no alcohol, you know? But but there's really no place you can go anymore. Movie theaters, play. I mean, think about it. We can't go anywhere where we're not bombarded with sugar. We can't turn the TV on. We can't go on a blog. We can't open a magazine where we're not constantly bombarded with cues to eat more of this poison. Yeah. Well, uh, it sells. So they yeah. sell it. Uh, they give it away and sell it. Both of the two. Uh, you know, who knows how you can do this. But... Um, Addiction is, you know, a tragic thing. In fact, on the radio one day, I was on, oh, years ago, and this man said to me, yelled at me on the phone. He was talk. I was talking to him. I had people call in and talk to me, and this man said, help me, help me. <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 alcohol, I gave that up. It's no problem. Smoking is no problem but I can't give the sugar up. I'm losing my wife. I weigh 280 pounds. Uh, my job's, at, you know, and the poor guy is just, and everybody heard this, and I did my best, but, you know, you, there are a couple places on the web mm-hmm. that you can go to and get help. Darn it. Let me, well, let's continue talking. Sure. I'll see if well, I can well, find well, it in I'll my book. Go to your website, www.nancyappleton, your name, N-A-N-C-Y-A-P-P-L-E-T-O-N.com, and you have like a, a little a quiz. I, I remember... I remember taking that quiz when the book came out and then taking it again, and it's like night and day. You can have like a self-test to see if you are a sugar addict. That's yes, a, you that, can. So that's, 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 that can be a really helpful place to start. But, you know, Nancy, I think I think that, you know, i got to be honest, I work, I, I run an ultimate weight loss program, and 
I have never met an overweight person yet that wasn't also addicted to sugar. I, I, I'm not, I'm not saying they don't exist. I just haven't met that individual yet. Nor have I. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's always there. And it's funny because when they go to the 12 step programs, you know, what, there's many wonderful ones out there for food addiction. You know, it's, I, you know, I don't really like the word food addiction because you're not really addicted to food. Nobody's addicted to broccoli, but it's always the refined carbohydrates, the sugar, the flour, the alcohol. It's always that. And that, that's really where the problem seems to be. And when you remove Right, and people aren't addicted to fat either. Mm-hmm. No, and, you know, people took the fat out and they thought that was going to end the problems. Well, it hasn't in any way whatsoever. No, they, they substituted too much sugar. Or just just sugar instead. It, it, okay, it, I've got these two names. Great. And if there's anybody who's interested, one is called Food Addicts Anonymous. Oh, sure, FAA. That's a great org. Yeah, Dr. Joan Ifland and Kay Shepard talked about that organization. Sure. Oh, good. Okay, and it's on, just you can Google that and it'll come up with it. And the other is Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous. Yeah, F I R. Mm-hmm. And and there's and one more. The, yep, that's great. Uh, sometimes they meet in your area, and if they don't, you can work with them on the web. So absolutely, a lot of these, a lot of these twelve-step programs for people that live in places that maybe can't go to an in-person meeting have virtual meetings, and they also have online meetings, and right. and those are also great websites because they also have a lot of self-tests on them about are you are you a food addict, and it's it's just it's really really interesting. So are you familiar? You no, know, I have to tell you, I went to one of these meetings just to see what they were doing, mm-hmm. and they pass a book around, like it's part of AA, mm. and they pass this little book around, and you're supposed to read a paragraph and then give it to the next person. And the lady next to me read her paragraph, and she sat there and held the book and didn't give it to me and and didn't continue reading for probably 10 seconds. And then she looked up and she said, I wish that sugar was not my best friend. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how sad. Yeah. You know, her whole life is around sugar. She doesn't have a best friend. Yeah. And this is what happens to people, unfortunately, as they go along. And, you know, one of the things that I, I find at least some of my students and clients have trouble grasping is that, unfortunately, with any addiction, the only thing that really works for, is abstinence. And what I find they try to do is they try to bargain and try to go to a different sugar, or they try to go to like the sugar alcohols or the artificial sweeteners, and that's not that's not getting them better either. No, it's not absolutely because, because they still crave that right. sugar. Exactly. No matter, right. Yeah. That, you just you hit the nail on the head, Nancy, when you said they still crave the sugar. And so what you can do, and I see this. Well, well, we know now that with uh, the scientific research that people that drink the artificially sweetened sodas that that's really bad for their health. They, they've been linked to strokes and things like that. But like you say, that j- that when they drink these artificially sweetened drinks, whether it's from the you know the aspartame or the sugar alcohols, the erythritol or the xylitol or the sorbitol or the mannitol, it it, it their tongue tastes sweet, but their brain wants something sweet, those calories never come, and I think it actually causes them to have more cravings than, not to say they should eat sugar, than if they just ate a little bit of sugar, because it just keeps them wanting and wanting, whereas if you get rid of all the sugars, real and fake, you can learn to satisfy your sweet tooth with fruit. It takes some time, but it, but it's possible. I want people to know that recovery is possible. I was almost 200 pounds. I was having Ooh. Coke Slurpees. I was having Coke Slurpees for breakfast every day with eight pumps of vanilla syrup. I was having 48-ounce Dr. Pepper Big Gulps for lunch, and the only reason was is because when I was addicted to sugar, that was the largest size 7-Eleven sold. Now they sell it in five times as much as that I was getting. And and I had I had the beginning of cancer, but I'm 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 healthy now. I've been 60 pounds lighter. And yes, it's difficult at first, of course. Change is always difficult. And there was discomfort. I cried every day for three weeks. But at the end of that time, you you feel, when you give up an addiction, you feel so good, not just because you're not addicted to these horrible substances, but you feel good about yourself. You feel empowered. And, And I want people to know that recovery from sugar addiction, it's possible. And it's awesome because the freedom from the addiction feels better than the addiction. Yes, but it 
it's a struggle to get it, there. It really is. Yeah. And I, I see yeah. people struggling and they fall. And part of it, I think, is the environment because they are, these addicts are, like, we would never take somebody out of uh, alcohol rehab and say, okay, this is your job. You're a bartender now. We don't, we know we don't do that. <laughs> With sugar addiction, we like, okay, go about the world and you can't, you know, and you, you know, I, I don't, I was not able to have kids. But if I was, I think I would be even more passionate because I see the crap that is served in schools and I see that like, you know, soccer games, donuts, you know, everything is, you know, you know, I have a friend whose kid is in second grade and there's a birthday like almost every week. And why are they allowed to bring, okay, you know, if a parent wants to give their kids sugar at home, that's their, you know, that's their constitutional right. I, you know, I don't see why it's allowed because if we know now that sugar is more addictive than cocaine and heroin and a parent were giving their their two-year-old cocaine or heroin and child protective services found out that child would be removed but nothing is done when they're giving them mass doses of sugar for an early age so i understand that if they want to do it i guess they can do it but why are the schools involved why why is there a birthday party every week why are parents allowed to bring sugar into the classroom that should not be allowed in my opinion i agree and i have to tell you my daughter down lives in san diego and she, along while the kids were younger, uh, made her noise in the schools and got lots of things changed. Mm-hmm. She had water and an apple after a running meet. They had mm-hmm. no longer was there candy in the principal's office. She did do a lot of things. That's to, terrific. And, and parents who get together on this and find other parents can make some ways and uh, you know, that's sort of up to you, I guess. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 fascinating. You know, it's funny because some of my colleagues, I work in the plant-based community, because they've always been slender, because they're not sugar addicts, or anyone that's not, they, they don't understand that this is a disease. And they're like, well, you know, just, just have a piece of cake on your birthday. And they don't understand that if we could, we would. If we could have moderated our use of this subject, of, of this uh, substance, we would have done it by now. And that those of us that, that are wired this way, we can't. And so no. th- it drives me crazy because there are people for which this isn't a problem. My my slender husband included that they, you know, it, it's like, it would be like for, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't care for alcohol. I don't drink it. But yet I would never say to my friend who's a recovering alcoholic, well, you know, why can't you just push yourself away from the bar after one drink? But yet with food addiction, with sugar addiction, it's like, well, you know, what's wrong with you? You're weak will. But they don't, they need to understand that this is a highly toxic, addictive substance causing so much disease. You know, when you said about the, the, uh, the how it affects the immunity, well, when your immunity is, infect, is affected, that's when you get all these different diseases. That's right. And so well, that shall I go through the process that sugar does in the body Absolutely. from the time you eat it? Yeah. Okay, here we go. You take um, as little as two teaspoons of sugar, and each person is different. But what you can do is you can change the minerals in the body. You can make the calcium actually go up. And so where does it get this calcium? It can get it from the bones. Can get it well. It's pretty hard to get it from the teeth. You can. So the the calcium goes up and the phosphorus goes down. When you change those minerals like that, the enzymes can't work because every enzyme is dependent upon a mineral. And enzymes help, some of the enzymes help us digest our food. So if the enzymes can't work, the food doesn't all digest. And some of this food gets into the bloodstream. It's called the leaky gut syndrome, gut permeability. You've probably heard about it. And this partially digested food gets into the bloodstream where your immune system says, hey, what the heck's this? You know, uh, you you can't be used here. Uh, you're not digested. We've got to take you out. So the immune system, the white blood cells, the soldiers of the body come and move this partially digested food from the bloodstream. But you do this over and over and over again, and your immune system says, hey, I'm supposed to be taking bacteria, virus, cancer, fungus, other things out. I'm not supposed to be taking this food out, and it becomes exhausted. Mm. So you, in the exhaustion, you open the door 
to the infectious and the degenerative disease process. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that simple. I don't understand why people don't get it because every one of those things I just said I can document from sure. uh, journals. So you know, uh, I th- I think they get it on some level, but part of them because they're addicted and they feel helpless and powerless, it's almost they just don't want to know it, so they bury their head in the sand where this is concerned, and then. It, it just gets worse and worse. And, and, and we know how hard it is, like that gentleman that was 200 pounds or whatever overweight that, that asked for your help it, because it's just hard. It's hard. So they think they'd rather not deal with it. You're right. You uh, know? Addiction is like any addiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a socially acceptable addiction that you can mm-hmm. buy anywhere where I, most addictions are a little harder to That's get. That's right. That's right. So socially acceptable, easily affordable, readily available. That's what it is, folks. And that's it. Yeah, oh, that's what you, it is. You know, um, one of my colleagues, the president of PCRM, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, his name is Dr. Neil Barnard in Washington D.C. He has this yeah, wonderful, yeah, he has this wonderful YouTube video called "How to Magnetize a Baby." And what he talks about how if you give an infant sugar water, it's like they they they'll stare at you like almost like they're in love, and they they bond to you so quickly. And I think about um, I'm, I'm Jewish, and I have I attended one circumcision in my life I will never go again to me it's extremely barbaric that they don't do that in a hospital with anesthesia but what do they give the baby to calm them down they give them wine sugar and I'm thinking my goodness if that would calm a nine or eight I forget I'm sorry how eight or nine days when they do it a, a, a young baby so quickly with just a few drops of course people are using it to medicate because what I think we do is we want to numb out right life is stressful we're not getting dopamine from other sources like like sex or exercise, and so we use it as a drug be, to to numb out. And I, I was thinking, boy, if it if, if just a couple drops does this to a baby, imagine you know what it's doing to us. Right, but not only that, it's addicting the baby from day five. That's right. That's right. Mm. You see, he he, he craves know, more from the I, very beginning. I it's know, tragic. It tragic. Is. You know, it's funny, Nancy, because, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, And, of course, you know, if I'm seven years old, I didn't know you in Chicago or, or your, I don't even think your book was out. I'm, I'm going to be 55 in a few weeks. But I, when I think about it, I'm, I'm, I'm an, I think I'm an intelligent person. I went to an Ivy League college, and I was always a straight A student. But it, when I went to uh, high school and junior high in California, we got uh, grades. One was the, the, when was the grade, like the A, B, C, D, E, F. One was called Work Habits which was like uh, either U for unsatisfactory, S for satisfactory, or E for excellent. And the I'll third, be darned. I remember then, those. Go right, ahead. Third was cooperation. And I always got AEUs, meaning I was really smart, but I was a behavioral problem because I was constantly, you know, I, I guess if, if they had a diagnosis back then, they would have said I was ADHD. I was yeah. I never shut my mouth. I was actually, you know, I was always making, I mean, they, they teachers liked me because I wasn't disrespectful. I was actually like the class clown. But when I think about my behavioral problems, well, of course, I mean, I was eating sugar, you know, what did we have for breakfast? You know, Captain Crunch with crunch berries, with chocolate milk. I mean, I was medicating with sugar from the minute you know, from four years old, the minute I woke up. And I remember in fourth grade, this teacher, Mrs. Bell, she actually would buy me candy. She said, if you can be quiet for 15 minutes, and she would, like, buy me three musketeer bars. So, like, the teachers oh, were actually, make, they were giving me what was causing the problem to make it worse. And, <sighs> it, it, I mean, and this was, this we're talking, like, this we're talking the 60s now. So, and, and I remember, you know, it's so funny because, I, I moved to California from Chicago in 1971 to live with an aunt and uncle, and m- my aunt would give me a dollar. A dollar bought a lot back then. Let me tell you how much a dollar would buy. So instead of going to the cafeteria to buying the food, which really wasn't that great, but it would have been better than what I was eating, you could get uh, um, you know, like things like mashed potatoes and gravy or rice or whatever. I would go to the student store. Candy in 1971 was a nickel. A candy bar was a nickel. So you know how many candy bars you could get for a dollar? A lot. And you can bet I did. And it was, I mean, why were they even selling it in school? And they were selling Coca-Cola. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. This is crazy. But even at the time, you thought? Yeah, this was, yeah, in 1971, I was having candy and soda for lunch. I mean, you know. Right, but at that time, you really thought it was crazy then? No, I didn't think it was crazy then. I thought it was wonderful. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. Back to it, that, that, that because you know William Duffy's, you know nobody was nobody was listening back then. You know, no, nope, no, no. 
Well, let me tell you, I uh, taught school at a gifted school, mm. and the out the uh, in for sixth graders, but they were doing you know tenth grade algebra, some of them, and I didn't understand it all. So my husband would come, and we'd have these little games, and we had all these donuts, and for each. One that a kid got the answer to, he got a donut. Mm. I, I can't believe me doing that and, mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. and feeding my children wow. babies jello because it went down so Oh, easily. my gosh. I'm in having your, a hard time even thinking about it. Oh, that. wow. In, in, your, uh-huh. in your DVD, Sweet Suicide, I believe you have a clip where a child is given sugar, a young child, and you show you document uh-huh. changes in his behavior and how quickly they occur and how he goes into tantrum mode. So quickly that, you know, that, that, that should be, you should, you should promote that clip more, put it on YouTube or I'll send it out because it It is on YouTube. Good. Because it will, we'll, we'll send a link for that because it's so true. I remember uh, when I was going to college, I was a driver of children and just picking them up from school to make extra money. And the parents allowed them to go to Seven Eleven, you know, with their money and, and buy stuff after school. And when I would pick them up from school, they would be reasonable children, you know, however children at that age are. And then we'd go to 7-Eleven and they'd get their Slurpees and they'd get their Cheetos or whatever. And man, it was so quick how their behavior would just change and how they would become unruly and unmanageable. That quickly it worked. Yep, that's true. Very true. I can remember it in the classroom. Yeah. But there are things you can do like on Halloween. Mm-hmm. You can go to the 99 cent store and find all sorts of goodies. Mm-hmm. These little bracelets for kids that light up when they put the bracelet sure. together, and the kids love them. Absolutely. There's so many things you can do other than giving candy. Yeah, there's, so. a one, there's a wonderful website and catalog called Oriental Trader where parents can get very inexpensive light-up things and toys that, that, that people really like. It's funny because in my Ultimate Weight Loss program, we were, I was reading on the Facebook group somebody that said they were doing well and they relapsed on Halloween. Well, hello, because if you're a sugar addict, you can't buy the candy to hand out to kids and think you're not going to eat it, you know? That's right. That's right. And that's another thing I want to talk about. So they say uh, that they're going to, uh, the schools are going to set up a program so that they children understand what bad foods do to them. They can't do that unless they have to bring the parents in. It's a waste of time. Kids cannot go home to their parents and say, you know, I'm not having this because supposedly it does this. The parents have to be part of a PTA program where everybody meets together and gets the same information. Yeah, That's just what I have to say. It's a waste of time to just give kids the information. And, Their and parents it, are stronger. And it's really hard, I think, because the parents that are doing it, like my, my good friend Sharon McRae, who's a food coach in Baltimore, who raised her children without sugar in a very healthful manner, because then it, it sort of makes an outcast out of them. They stick out as like the troublemaker, the odd one. They're being so difficult because, you know, the, the mother has to bring in fruit for them while we're all having, you know, cake. And and that's, that's right. wrong to make the healthy people ostracized and feel bad when, when we're the ones that are doing the right thing. Right, right, right. You know, it's funny when you think about it, how holidays are built into excess sugar consumption. I mean, think about what would Valentine's Day be without a heart-shaped box of C's or Fannie Mae candy. Easter, chocolate Easter eggs, jelly beans. Mother's Day, more candy. Halloween, it's like these these sugar industry, they're they're clever. They're pretty clever marketers, aren't they? (laughs) They are, they are. Yeah. Um, And you know that... When you get your food stamps, if you don't have too much money, mm-hmm. you can buy the whole damn thing of sugar and just go buy sugar and give your food stamps. Never buy a carrot or anything that's else. That's right. That's, and that I should remember. be taken off immediately. I agree with you. You know, Chris Boyd, who I believe was the head of the Washington Potato Commission, was so upset because at one point, I'm not sure if this has changed, they did not allow people with food stamps to buy potatoes. And so he went on an all-potato diet for six days. He lost something like 30 pounds, reversed his heart disease and diabetes. So you're right. You know, if they should, the food stamps, they should have to buy vegetables with it or, you know, or healthy or fruit. They should not be allowed to buy, you know, um, Gatorade and or whatever you know Kool-Aid or what I don't even know what these people are drinking oh Nancy I just got back from Hawaii where I was speaking at a hospital and in other speaking engagements and it, it's just so sad what's happened to the Hawaiians how obese they've become and how diabetic they've become they because they just they're just not eating the diet 
of their people, you know, the poor yeah. and, 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 right. and, um, I mean, it, 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 it just makes me sad. It makes me sad because there's help available. Yeah, it's hard at first making a change, but, but it's such a worthwhile change because, you know, I don't know anybody that's ever been a sugar addict or anybody that's been obese that's lost the weight that said, you know what, it was way better before. It's not. People are suffering, and we know it's hard, but there's help. And you, you, you just have to, you have to do something. You have to make a change, or it's just—it's just a horrible disease to, to suffer with. And like you say, and it's not just the disease of sugar addiction. It's these other 149 diseases that you've documented through the scientific literature that they have that will either be ameliorated or or greatly improved once That's they stop right. consuming sugar. Uh, it's you know people, <laughs> you're doing a great job of of helping this whole situation. And I imagine you talk about it in other ones of your programs, too, mm-hmm. if it comes up. Well, you know, this to me, you know, I was so excited. I think it was two years ago in August. I was in Alaska. I was at the airport. And I don't usually buy Nas- uh, National Geographic magazine because I get sad when the animals are, you know, being eaten by the other animals. Oh, there was the cupcake. It was this one. I bought it. <laughs> And there was a cupcake on the cover, and I said, "Okay, I'm in. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to read it on the plane." And I remember reading the article, and I still have it. And I believe there was either written by or a quote by an oncologist. And he said, "After 40 years of being a practicing physician and seeing all these different diseases, all roads lead to sugar." And that's sort of the premise of your book, Suicide by Sugar. All problems, yeah. whether behavioral or or medical, really, it, all roads lead to sugar. And I thank you so much for the work you do. I wish you guys, you and Joan and Kay and Kathleen de Maison, I wish you guys were on the, you know, on the cover of every magazine. I wish you were shouting this from the rooftops and, and doing more conferences because, you know, I, we, we've got to get this information there. We just have to get people to really embrace it. That's true. That's true. So are, are you doing any speaking? Are you doing any conferences, whether online or, I mean, how can we get you more out there? Because... <laughs> You're like the pie, and you know you're you you're you know. I don't think William Duffy's even alive anymore. So you're 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 like no, really. No, he's not. Well, you're he's like not. the mother. Of, you're like the mother of the of the you know of of this movement, really. You know, in the our grandmother, God. right? right, yeah. right. <laughs> but so, you know, again, there's so many people who don't understand this wonderful world, homeostasis, mm-hmm. the balance in the body. And you see, the minute you eat sugar, you throw that out. Yeah. The glucose can go up, the calcium can go down. You change your whole body, and then you have to work hard. Your body has to work hard to bring it back to homeostasis, and that's the aging process, as far as I'm concerned. Oh. And you do that, and you do that too much, and your body says, you know, screw it, I can't do this anymore, and then degeneration yeah. sets in. That so, is so funny that you mentioned the aging process because before I became a chef, my my career for most of my life was an activity director at retirement homes. And it's so funny because, of course, I can't prove this in the scientific literature, but all the people that were sugar addicts looked worse than the ones that ate whole food. They were they were wrinkly, like like people that smoke, you know how they get wrinkly around their face and stuff. The people that were the sugar addicts that always had a hard candy in their pocket and, they were, and even if they were slender, their faces showed different than the people that that weren't sugar addicts. They just didn't look as good. They were wrinkly. They were pruney. And and so I do think sugar ages you. And so if nothing else, ladies, for vanity, don't eat sugar. (laughs) You're not going to look as good. That's for sure. And and stop feeding your kids sugar because they get sick. And then you have to worry about your job and are you going to go to work and what are you going to do with the kids and do you go to the doctor at night and or phone the doctor or do you go to the pharmacy and get some medicine when your kids are sick you know forget the kids just think about yourself and Mm -hmm. all the things you have to go through when your kids are sick Mm -hmm. Uh, and they won't get sick anywhere near as much when you leave the sugar out right and a lot of times it's the opposite they're sick and the parent tries to reward them with a special sweet sweet treat because they're sick yeah that's right. Oh boy! I, well, I just thank you so much for your work, you know, we need to start a revolution. Even though I don't have kids, I just, I just think this is so important, and it's such a big piece of the problem. And uh, I'm so, I'm so thankful for your work. So, if you want to find out more about Dr. Nancy Appleton's work, please go to her website, which is www.nancyappleton.com. I highly recommend 
her books, Lick the Sugar Addict and Suicide by Sugar. They're must-reads for everyone, but especially parents and especially anyone that, that, that suffers from, from food addiction or sugar addiction. It's just, I could talk to you all day. It's, I, I hope one day I, I mention this to Dr. Joan Iflin and to Kay Shepard and to Kathleen Demaison. My dream one day, and we can do this so that you won't have to travel, is to create some kind of virtual online conference where all four of you women, in my opinion, the four heroes of of this movement can can have a forum and be interviewed. Oh, that would be wonderful, that, wonderful. I mean, that, that is my dream. And you know what? Most of you ladies are PhDs too, and that's just to me so inspiring because, I mean, Kathleen got hers in her 50s and Joan got hers later, and it's just it's it's just so great. And, I mean, Kay's been, been doing this for 40 years, so you four are really my heroes with this because you, you give a voice to something that a lot of people are told that, is not even real or doesn't even exist. So we're here to tell you folks that sugar addiction is real. We've known this for a long time and you can get help and we really encourage you to get help. So thank you so much, Nancy, for being on the show. And I, I hope to be able to interview you again soon. And for the rest of you, thanks so much for listening to Healthy Living with Chef AJ. I'm Chef AJ and I make healthy taste delicious. Good night, everyone. <laughs>